morning. Uh, my name is Scott Habib. If, if, uh, if we don't know each other, uh, the quick introduction is uh, I am a full-time educator here in Salem. I am the husband of hot Julie. You'll be able to tell her she's sort of the one radiating in the room with just beauty and light. And, and uh, I'm the father of four, ages 27 to 13, grandfather of two, ages three and three quarters and one and three quarters or something like that. Uh, they're still at that age where you count like months and things. And, uh, and I also never feel more inadequate than when I am sharing from the Word of God. Uh, it is something that is a privilege to do, but is absolutely something that I sort of tremble at the thought of because like, I don't know that I have much to add to this. And so let's just pray that it would not be me trying to add anything, but instead that God would just share to, with all of us. Heavenly Father, just, you are here today, and um, <clears throat> just speak to us to our hearts, and let each of us sort of encounter you in the way that you want to encounter us. Amen. So uh, a question for you is, are you comfortable with Jesus? Now, um, I'm sharing with stuff, uh, some stuff that God's been teaching me, okay? But uh, as I thought through this, I realized that if I don't do a good job today, if I sort of mess up, it's going to sound like a kind of a judgy teaching, and it's going to sound like I'm ranking Christians, and maybe like I'm putting people on pedestals over Jesus. Like I have the potential to do that, and, and I don't want to do that. Like it's actually the opposite. The hope today is that Jesus will shine. And so if anything I say starts sounding that way, just can you give me the benefit of the doubt and realize I'm not trying to sound that way, and, and I'm just not perfect with, with all my words. Um, so, so here's the point, though, today. <clears throat> Jesus did not call his disciples to lives of comfort. Like, if you're a disciple and you're really comfortable, then it might be a sign that Jesus is saying, hey, I got something else for you. Um, Jesus called his disciples to do things they could not do on their own. Jesus called his disciples to take risks, to rely on him, and to end up doing things they could only do through him. And then when, when they take these risks, when we take these risks as disciples, as followers of Jesus, when we step away from comfort, when we intentionally step into the mission that Jesus has called us to, we end up experiencing him in a different way, knowing him more deeply. And then all of that leads to the ability to worship him more fully and, and more powerfully and in a more meaningful way because we have been stepping away from ourselves and, and out of comfort. So if you're a disciple, if you're a follower of Jesus and your life is really comfortable, um, it may be a sign to ask Jesus to show you where he wants you to step out of comfort and into risk. Jesus wants us to worship him more intimately. And if that's something you desire, then the starting point might very well be to say, God, like, where do you want me to take a risk and step out? So as we start a new year and, you know, you kind of think about yourself at the beginning of every year, this is a good chance to evaluate, like, how comfortable are you with Jesus? And where are there risks in your life? Where are you stepping away from comfort? And maybe 2022 will be this year where we look back and say, this was a year that was risky and scary and uncomfortable and also really cool and really meaningful and really intimate with Jesus. And, and my worship of him was a, was a whole new thing because of that. So let's talk about 
what it looks like to get uncomfortable, okay? We're going to share, uh, look at a passage together from Matthew. That's just one of my very, very favorite stories of Jesus and his friends. So this is like right after Jesus has fed a whole bunch of people with just a few loaves of bread and, and some fish. And so Jesus made the disciples uh, get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already at a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, one of the craziest things that Jesus did that we know about, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Uh, Here's just a really weird, like something I don't think I would have said or I don't anticipate being the question that's asked in the story next. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. So Peter got down out of the boat walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him and said, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. I just love that story. Like so many ways we could go with that story. Um, it's just, it's amazing. And, and it's usually referred to as a story of Jesus walking on the water. But another way to look at the story is it's a story of, Jesus, of Peter getting out of the boat. A story of what happens when you take a risk and leave your comfort zone. So remember, these disciples, they're fishermen. So, so being in a boat is like, this is their comfort spot, right? This is, this is their sweet spot. This is the place they know. This is like us sitting in our living rooms watching Netflix, Okay, this is really comfortable for them. And Peter did something crazy and risky and uncomfortable. And, and I think his, like what he said to Jesus is a really odd thing to say to Jesus. Like, Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come walk to you on the water, right? Like, that, it, it makes more sense to me to say something like, Jesus, if it's you, you know, because we want to make sure he's not a ghost, Answer this question for me, like, what did we eat for breakfast yesterday? If it's you, like, you know, what, what was that joke that John told me? Remember when I laughed and you told me I shouldn't because it was not a good joke, you know? Like, or something like that. But instead he says, Jesus, if it's you, not a ghost, tell me to walk on the water. Why would, why would that be the question that Peter asked? Here's why. Because Peter knew Jesus. Peter knew Jesus. Jesus. He'd been following Jesus for some time now, right? And he had listened to Jesus. He had watched Jesus. And he knew that what Jesus constantly did was take you on crazy adventures into uncomfortable situations. That was what Jesus did. So if this was really Jesus, then the way Jesus would prove he's Jesus is by doing something remarkable. It wouldn't be boring and dull or even comfortable. It would probably be uncomfortable, something that you couldn't do on your own. Jesus was constantly taking Peter and his friends and having them do things and see things and experience things that they could not do on their own. So the best way to prove that it's Jesus 
is to do something you couldn't do on your own, to take a risk. And only Jesus would, would, would do that. Here's, here's, here's the deal. Peter, his, everything he'd experienced, so this is Matthew 14. Everything he experienced up until then proved to him that this is who Jesus was. Take a look at all these things. You're not going to be able to read them all. There's too many on, on the screen and they're too small. The point's not to read them all. The point's to see how much is there. Like, up until this point, he had seen Jesus party with sinners, put demons into pigs, bring a dead girl back to life, heal a whole bunch of people, including his mother-in-law. I guess he was thankful for that. He had seen him take loaves of fish and, and bread, you know, and feed 5,000 people. He had seen him tell wind to stop, and it had stopped. He had, he had had this time when Jesus had this whole big long thing where he told, hey guys, I'm sending you all out and it's going to be hard and people are going to be against you, but here's what you're going to do and here's how you handle it. He had heard Jesus say, look, if you're not willing to take up your cross, if you're not willing to deny yourself, if you're all about you, <clears throat> then you're not really following me. All these experiences. And it started at the very beginning for Peter. Right there in the middle, when Jesus called his first disciples, Peter's one of them. In Matthew 4, we hear where um, Matthew records, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon called Peter. So this dude, Peter, right? And his brother, Andrew. And they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their comfort. They left what they knew. They denied themselves, and they followed Jesus to go do something. Jesus didn't say, hey guys, hey, 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 I got an idea. <clears throat> Follow me, we're going to get together once a week, and we're going to sing. And then we're going to be really good all week, and then we're going to get back together and we're going to sing. And then we'll go, and we'll be really good, and you'll fish, and then we'll get back together and sing in a week. He didn't invite them to that. What he invited them to do first was, let's go do something. Let's go fish for men. Let's go be on mission. Let's go to, take a risk, man. Give up your comfort zone. Trust me. Step out. Follow me. Let me clarify. I'm not knocking getting together and sing together. But what happened was this. They went and they did these things. They experienced Jesus and they knew Jesus. And they did things with Jesus they could only do through Jesus. And then in that boat, they worshipped. And I don't know what that worship was like. It doesn't tell us. But I bet you that was the sweetest time of communion with God that's ever existed. Because they were right there. And they knew that Jesus was with them. And they had been doing all these things with him. And so when they got together, it wasn't... Let's get together and sing, and then go back to doing our comfort zones. It was, we've been out here taking risks, and now we get to come together as a team of disciples, and we get to worship. We get to encourage one another. We get to, we get to be in the presence of Jesus together, and then we're going back out and taking risks. We're getting out of our comfort zone. We're living on mission. We are called to mission. 
you are called to mission. When Jesus called disciples, he called them to mission. And if you, if I, if we will step out of comfort and do things that we could only do through Jesus, we'll intentionally seek that, we'll worship. We will worship. And we will worship knowing that we are part of the kingdom and part of something bigger than a singing club. We're part of a team of disciples being used by Jesus to change the world. I want to look at one other aspect of this story. Have you wondered at all how the other disciples might have reacted to Peter? Like, when, when they got back in the boat, they all worshipped. They had all been part of something really amazing. All of them had been there when Jesus fed the 5,000. All of them had been there through all these things. They'd seen the healings. And so when they were realized they were in the presence of the living God, they worshipped. Okay? But I want to take a little artistic license with this story. Because the, these were still a group of dudes, right? These were a group of humans. So like after they worshipped, after they spent time communing with God, that they interacted with each other. Right, so, so how did they react to Peter, the dude who got out of the boat and just did one of the most miraculous things, experienced one of the most amazing things that anyone's ever experienced? And so it, it doesn't tell us that in this story. I think one way they could have reacted, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm coming up with this thinking how I might react. I'm sure none of you all would, but you know, at least I might be a little bit annoyed with Peter. Right, like, he thinks he's so great. Ooh, Peter. Uh, Peter walked down water. We, we as humans are really good at sort of pulling people back to us. And so that would be one natural human reaction to when we hear about somebody else stepping out of the boat. It's be like, I don't think that happened because this team of disciples did too much together after that. So even if, even if one of them felt that way for a little bit, what they actually did must not have been that or else it would have torn them apart and they wouldn't have been a team that changed the world forever. Another reaction, and this one I know is really common in um, some of us, is to say something like an excuse like, oh, that's cool. Like, yeah, walking in water is great, but Peter's like way holier than I am. Like, I just can't do that. Like, God didn't call me to do that. Now, this stage of my life I'm in right now, you know, I mean, God, God's not asking me to do those kind of things, right? God wouldn't ever give you something more than you could handle, which, by the way, is the exact opposite of the truth. Everything he asks us to do is more than we can handle, so we do it on his strength, not ours. But there's that, like, thing that happens when somebody shares. Like, if any of y'all have ever heard, like, some like Bob Goff speak, you're like, well, I mean, that's really cool, but I can never do that. I'm not a super rich lawyer who's got all this time on my hands, so that's cool. I'll just cheer for him. But, but that's not... What happened, it couldn't be because all these folks, these disciples in the boat, they had their own miraculous stories and things that kept happening to them too. So we know they didn't do the whole like, I'm not as good as you are thing. While it doesn't tell us what happened, I think that what must have happened is rather than be jealous or rather than just figure that Peter's better than they are and kind of, well, I'm not that great, is I think they like invented the high five. They must have just cheered Peter on. They must be like, that's awesome, Peter. Way to go, man. You experienced Jesus. We got to watch it. We were part of that. Thank you for letting us be part of your adventure with Jesus. 
And they cheered each other on. They encouraged each other. They shared stories of how they were stepping out of the boat. The next time, like John did something, he kind of went, Peter, guess what I just did? I trusted him. I stepped out of the boat. And Peter didn't say, yeah, well, I can one-up you. I mean, I walked on water. Peter was like, that's great, John. See, because Jesus brought together a team of disciples. And it, he didn't bring together a congregation of singers. He brought together a team of disciples, people who were going to take risks, step out, do things that only he could, only they could do through him. And then they encouraged one another in that. So, let's think about us for a moment. We, and, and, and this, is, this is what restoration needs to exist to be, right? There's lots of places you can go and sing songs to Jesus, and that's a great thing to do. But what we really need is a team of missionaries who share stories with one another, encourage one another, go out there and take risks, step out of the boat in our own ways, and then we come back together to celebrate on Sundays and to worship the God who made it happen. And if we don't know each other's stories, then it's kind of hard to do that. So I've asked some folks, Jeff and Trey and McKenna, and Tony, and Jack, and Lindsay. Someone's got, supposed to run and get Lindsay. I think Jeff's doing it. Come up here. So they're going to, I asked the folks to come up here. There's a mic somewhere. Come up here, all of you guys. Where's that microphone? Anyone know? Kayla, you know, you're like, oh, right there on the chair, of course. Why would the microphone not be on the chair? Um, and, and these are just some folks who I know are stepping out of the boat. And this is where I said, if I do this wrong, it sounds like, well, look at, right? And so we're not going to react the way they could have reacted, which is, Oh, like Jeff thinks he's so great, even though I think Jeff is so great. Or like, well, I could never be like Tony because he's so holy and I'm not. Right? Instead, we're, we're going to celebrate. So I just asked them to give a, like a short little version of an example of the step around the boat. And, and let's like cheer them on. All right? So I'm going to ask Jeff to maybe start. Jeff, tell us how you step around the boat, brother. Wow. Um, <clears throat> My name is Jeff Lakin. Um, I'm the area director of Young Life here in Salem and North Roanoke. And I am um, married to Ashley, and we have three boys. And Ashley is a full-time professor, and our three boys are involved in everything. So our life is pretty, pretty crazy. Um, I'm 58 years old. I know that sounds shocking to most of you. I can see it in your eyes. Um, and in Young Life years, that's about 420. Um, but I, I've been around for a long time. And, and at this point in my life, it would be pretty easy to go into neutral. It'd be pretty easy to say, like, well, I, I just need to ride this out. And we've got a lot of good things going on. But it'd be really easy to stay in the boat at this point. But heck no. Like, like there are so many youth, there are so many kids, adolescents in this valley that don't know Jesus that will never stop. Our goal is to see every adolescent have the opportunity to hear about Jesus and how awesome he is. And so I want to be a part of that. And personally, I'm a part of that at Andrew Lewis. I'm 58 years old, and I'm hanging out with middle school kids, trying to tell them, trying to keep up with them. Um, you can pray for us next weekend because we'll be at camp, and I'll be lagging behind. But um, we, we'll be um, you know, trying to share the love of Christ with kids. And so I, there's no way that I'm comfortable in the boat. I want to be out there doing what God has for us. 
Now we get to practice cheering them on. Yes! <laughs> if an old man can step out of the boat with middle school kids, we all can, right? Thank you, Jeff. Trey? Uh, hey, my name is Trey Foster. Uh, I'm a teacher at Salem High School. I teach ceramics. Uh, I'm married to Stanko, and we have two kids, uh, a toddler and a, an infant. Um, and I'd say at, that, at this point in my life, um, what I see a lot of my friends doing and what I feel like is probably the easy thing to do is to just kind of like draw myself into like the home ministry kind of thing and be like, hey, this is my ministry now. Like this is what I do. Um, I have a job and I'm trying to like raise these kids. Um, but what I think that the Lord is really calling me out of the boat in is to, is to really push my relationship with my students to, to something that actually matters. Like, um, you know, teaching them about pottery is, is cool and all, but um, it, feels, it feels super wrong to just leave it at that. Like, I don't want to, um, to leave a legacy of, of a bunch of, like, really bad pottery. Um, <laughs> I want to tell kids about Jesus. I want kids to know that they're loved and that they're cared for um, and that they have a place to belong and that, and that their life has purpose. Um, and so, um, you know, as a family, we've kind of decided to, to refuse to... to face inward in our house and to open our house up to hang out with high schoolers, even though it's like I spend my entire day with high schoolers and then I come home and then I invite a bunch of them to my house and um, they wreck my house and they never clean up, clean up after themselves. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's awesome and, and we wouldn't have it any other way. Troy, whoever goes next, doesn't matter. Yeah, go for it, McKenna. Okay. Um, I'm McKenna. I won't, I'm not going to say my last name. You don't need to know that. But um, I Well, hold go... on. Hold on. Time out. Why not? This okay. is my daughter, guys. Okay? So. <laughs> um, I go to Virginia Tech. Go Hokies. Um, and college is really a time that I would love to be just focusing on myself, my mental health, like working out a lot, like there's so many things I want to be doing. Um, and there's also a lot I still feel like I need to learn about the Lord at this point in my life. Um, and I've also had two of the hardest years of my life in college so far. I really wasn't expecting it, but, like, just a lot of hard things going on. Um, and I would absolutely love sometimes to just sit in my house in Blacksburg and just not do anything um, and just focus on myself and just get through um, these hard things. But um, the Lord has really called me um, to high school students. I was reached, um, Jesus reached me through Young Life when I was in high school. Um, and so I just have really felt called to that. Um, my heart just really breaks for high school girls. Um, and so right now my ministry is Blacksburg High School, go Bruins, um, in Blacksburg, obviously. Um, and I lead Young Life there, and it's so fun. It's not what I expected at all. It does take more time than I expected, but I love it, and I just love being on mission and loving these girls, and even though I'm tired sometimes, um, the joy that I get from it and from being close to the Lord through that is much greater than um, being comfortable in the boat. So, Kenna, you know, just to add to the story, in the midst of a really hard time last year, Stanko said, uh, she was talking kind of in a counseling situation type of deal and just said, how are you serving others, you know? And I just loved that we have folks who are saying, like, how are you stepping out of the boat? Like, that's where we start. It's not start with 
inward, it's how do we step out of the boat? Yeah, Stanko was my Young Life leader. And I came to her last year, and I was like, Stanko, my life sucks. All this stuff is happening. I'm so upset. And she goes, well, how are you serving people right now? And I was like, what? Why would you say that to me? But she was right, so. Uh, yeah, my name is Tony Winstead. Um, I'm married with uh, married to Cindy Winstead. She's not here today. She had to go out of town. But uh, three, uh, we have three children, um, of which two have already graduated from college, and one is currently in college. One's even married. Uh, but, um, yeah, um, when Scott asked me to maybe say something about kind of getting out of the boat, and I had to do some, some research on what day that was. And uh, I had to look at uh, about two years ago where uh, Jen Fountain had a, had a message or sermon, and it's like, what's standing in your way? And that was the weekend that um, I kind of stepped out of the boat uh, I actually called a friend, too. I didn't want to step out of the boat alone. <laughs> but uh, we went to go seek somebody who was, uh, it's in, he was in a trailer court, and we didn't even know where he lived at, and we was just going to bring him some spaghetti and just to, you know, just to show God's love. And, and you know, uh, I'll have to mention his name, Will McNeil. Uh, he, he, um, he, he was my sidekick here, and we just drove around trying to find him and, uh, we didn't know where he was, and we went down one way, and then we found him and uh, gave him some spaghetti. And the, make a long story short, um, you know, two years ago, uh, he had a need of, uh, of um, his wife was like in, in a wheelchair, and we had to build a, a ramp for him and his wife to get out of the house to go to the doctor. And uh, also installed a, a, a toilet in his, his house because he didn't have one for two years. And... Um, I don't know, just going through this and stepping out um, makes, you know, if you really desire Jesus, you have to go out and seek him. Um, and for me, um, that, was, that was like the day that, you know, I decided, you know, we decided to, uh, to step out of the boat and step out of your comfort zone. So, but I'm, I've been blessed so many different ways by helping others, you know, keep, you know, it takes a focus on yourself, so. Tony, love it. Hey guys, um, I'm Jack Jennings. Um, I'm married to Erin Jennings. She couldn't be here. She's a little bit under the weather. Um, but Erin and I are actually relatively brand new to the area. Um, we just moved here in mid-July. We essentially uprooted our family. We have a, a two-year-old son and one more on the way in early May. Woohoo! Um, but yeah, we uprooted our family. We, we spent the last five years in Bluefield, um, a really tight, really small community that we absolutely loved. Um, we did ministry through Young Life there and just met and did some really incredible things there and watched the Lord do some awesome things there. Um, but we felt like there was just a little bit more. Um, and we felt kind of that there was this, this pull and this tug for um, just something sort of different for us and our family as we um, we're a growing family. Um, and so in, in mid-July, we um, kind of packed up, not packed up, a series of events happened. Packed up makes it sound a little bit more impressive than it maybe was. Um, it was a little bit more planned out, and the Lord moved in over the course of about a year or so. But um, moved up, um, up here in July. We don't have any family here. We knew maybe like three or four people. Um, but it has been so much fun. Um, Aaron works, Aaron still works for Young Life. Um, 
but just kind of in a different role. Um, she works with um, students with disabilities through Young Life's um, Capernaum ministry. Um, and I got a job um, with Trey and with Scott at Salem High School. I teach special education. Um, and so in a lot of ways, our life in Bluefield was, was really comfortable. It was really good, um, and we had it pretty good. Um, but we felt like there was just something different. Um, we uprooted and, and sort of stepped out of the boat. And I wish we could say since then it's been like nothing but stepping out of the boat, but we kind of suck and mess up sometimes all along the way. We've been like, man, God, are you sure like we couldn't do this a little bit differently to like stay a little bit more comfortable? Like do we have to do this? Do we have to go all the way? Um, but through a series of, of stepping out and continually trying to, to say yes as a family, it has been um, a super fun last, you know, six five, six months, whatever it's been, um, to watch the Lord move um, through young people with disabilities and their families. Um, I think Capernaum has a unique role of of doing that and to see what the Lord is doing through that ministry in our, um, like our immediate family too. Um, So it has been a ton of fun being here in Salem. All right, Jack. Thank you. Hi, I'm Lindsay Rook. Um, married to Jeremy. We have two boys. Felix is nine. Ramsey is six. Um, I work part-time as an occupational therapist for Carillion, and I work part-time as the administrative assistant um, for Young Life. And uh, <laughs> kind of joked with Scott when he asked me to come up here, I was like, so I'm the example of like not taking risks or like, <laughs> like this is what not to do. Because <laughs> uh, I didn't really see it. I'm like, what in my life am I doing that's risky? But um, I, I think the world like tells us and there's this push and this big encouragement to make money, lots, lots and lots of money and work as much as you can and save for retirement and make sure your kids have like a college education and be comfortable and do all the vacations and buy all the things. And so I, um, I have a career that I, and a job that I studied for and that actually pays me pretty well and wants me to work more, but I choose to stay part-time with occupational therapy so that I can continue to be a part of young life in this area and see lives changed and families change and be a part of Jeff's dreams and his disorganization and <laughs> this a lot of these I mean the staff and people moving here and just the growth and something that's way bigger than myself and so um, I don't know I think perhaps taking risks is also about what you say no to and not just um, something that's obvious uh, of a big risk that you're going to step out of the boat, but it's something right in front of you, and you look for Jesus, and you walk toward him, even if it doesn't really make sense. Thank you, Lindsay. Let's give a hand for everybody who's up here. Thank you, guys. Awesome. That was good. Folks, we, you, I, we were called to, to, to take risk. We were called to mission. And, and as we um, move forward, as we uh, grow, as we move through this year, both individually but also collectively, let's encourage one another to step out of the boat. Restoration Church is not intended to be a place where we get together and sing on Sundays, even if it's awesome and 
Cole and Leslie, you guys, Marshall, it's great. The music's awesome, right? And, and sometimes the teaching's good too. But it's not about that. We, we will be used in really exciting ways. Your life, my life will be meaningful and purposeful and like intimately entwined with Jesus if we step out of that boat, if we take risks. And then when we come here, then when we get together, it's to find out what we've all been doing. It's to, it's to encourage one another. It's to celebrate. It's to high five. And it is to be like those disciples in the boat who once they saw that awesome, that awesome God at work could do nothing else but worship Him, to praise Him and say, truly, you are the Son of God. I love you all. We we're a great group of people in this room, folks. And if we collectively step out of our comfort zone this year, if we are intentional about saying, God, like, what, what crazy thing are you asking me to do? Jesus, if it's really you, tell me to come to you. We're going to get to see together the kingdom move in really exciting ways. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for not just calling us to a club but for calling us to truly be your disciples on your mission. And Lord, I, I, I ask your blessing upon all of us here and all of us who aren't here but are part of this, that we would see ourselves as a team of missionaries, as a team of disciples, and that we would not tear anyone down, even in our own minds, or, or, or that we would pity ourselves as somehow in a stage of life where we can't be on mission, but that we would excitedly and expectantly look to step out of that boat, that you would show each of us where that, where that is in our lives and that we would encourage one another and that your will would be done and that we could worship you in ways we never imagined. Amen.